0: Welcome to the Man Cave Podcast with Dan Casper. What up, everybody? Welcome to this episode of the Man Cave Podcast brought to you by Hy-V and Toyson Ford. Dan Casper here with you, as always, for every episode of the podcast. Big thanks for tuning in. Tip of the cap to you all for tuning in to this episode of the Man Cave Podcast. I got a little grind my gears coming at you. That's going to be coming up at the the second half of this episode. Calling out all of you complaining about the NBA All-Star game. Little uh, Rays plays who cut and didn't cut the mustard. Got a couple picks over there. That's also coming up in the uh, second uh, half of this episode. I want to lead off the episode talking some more Brewers baseball. Brandon Woodruff's coming. Coming back to Milwaukee. Going to hit that up Also. Maybe a little bit. Could we, uh, could we, could we please see the Brewers offense be a little bit more aggressive on the base pass? I'm going to explain something. I'm going to explain that in a little bit more detail, uh, as well. But first up, uh, Brandon Woodruff. Let's, let's talk about Brandon Woodruff. The news yesterday, of course, dropping shortly after we got off the airwaves and, uh, of course, that always works out, but nonetheless, we get to talk about it today. Brandon Woodruff reportedly coming back to the crew, Brewers bringing him back on a two year deal. Now, we got to remember too, we don't know the official details. One, the team hasn't made it official, I haven't seen any numbers out there yet. You know, speculation and, and that sort of stuff is, is rampant in, in 2024 and social media and such, but for what it's worth haven't seen any official details or anything like that. However, when it comes to this move, I personally feel like a couple things are are probably out there. One, again, let's assume unless he's making a remarkable recovery right now, Brandon Woodruff is not going to pitch this year. Well, I'm I'm going with that assumption. So I think if anybody has the assumption that you know, Brandon's gonna pitch this year, he's gonna be the ace, he's gonna be part of the rotation, you know, maybe by uh the summer after the all star break or anything like that. I think let's still maybe lower those expectations because this is a major shoulder injury for a brewers or for for a pitcher, okay? So let's let's lower those expectations a little bit. I've gone in with the mindset that we're not gonna see Woody pitch at all this year. So I would assume the first year of this deal is probably pretty minimal in terms of money. Whether it's a minimum, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know, but I would I would assume it's probably not a ton. Okay, I would assume it's not a lot. And my other assumption again, I could be completely wrong in this, but this is this is just my general thoughts. So I would assume that. In that second year of this deal, there might be a lot of incentives. Uh, there might be a lot of benchmarks, escalators, as, as they like to say in, in some of these contract terms out there. You know, just for an example, maybe it's like, hey, what do you, you pitch 100 innings uh, or 120 innings this year, you get $2 million escalator, $2 million bonus uh you win 12 games you, you get another 5 million stuff like that that would be my guess heading into the second year of this deal but again i could be completely wrong just I, i'm i'm operating under the belief again that we're not going to see Brandon Woodruff pitch at the major league level this year and part of that, I mean, there's a couple of reasons for that. One, again, I mean, everything we've heard, everything we've been told, we've talked about it with, with Dr. Crow, this is a this is a big-time injury for, for a pitcher. And sometimes pitchers can't fully come back for, from an injury like this. And we don't know at this point in time, is, is Brandon Woodruff going to be the same Brandon Woodruff? Is he going to have to transition to a little bit of a different role? We don't know. It's a big unknown at this point in time. So that's we're, we're kind of operating, you know, driving at the wheel or oper- steering the, the steering wheel and, and not really knowing where we're going right now at this point because it's kind of a wait-and-see approach with, with Woodruff. I mean, you hope he comes back and you hope he still can be a really good starter in this league, but we just we don't know quite yet. All that being said... You know, knowing that we're probably not going to see him this year, knowing that it's a tough injury to come from or come back from. All that being said, I, I, I really like this move. I really like this move for a few different reasons for the crew. One, by bringing him in for a couple of years, and again, shout out to to our good buddy Brandon Berg, who you hear on Friday mornings, and he's our brewer guy, and he, and he threw out this possibility a couple of weeks ago saying I, I like the Brewers to you know I'm paraphrasing I like the Brewers bring him back for a couple of years for like a two-year deal and you know knowing the first year probably not going to see him but get him in the system and such and the guy nailed it but I, I that's where I one part where I like this is in the main part you bring him in you, you're kind of bringing him in with the expectation, and probably know, okay, we're not going to force it. We're not going to push it. And that's the other thing, too. Remember, he had two shoulder injuries last year. And that's where I don't think the Brewers are going to really push it for, for this year. They're going to take their time. So remember, he missed a ton of time last year dealing with a shoulder injury. And then, right before the postseason starts, shoulder injury pops up again. Remember that? He was supposed to be the Game 2 starter, and all of a sudden He's done. So the fact that he had a couple of shoulder injuries last year, I think, is going to you know have the Brewers be a little bit more cautious with this thing, be patient with it, not force the issue, and not try to get him back out there as soon as possible. But again, with all that being said, I like it because in that first year, you bring him in, you monitor his progression, you get them within your rehab process. You get them in that, that pitching lab that we always hear about with the Brewers. And that's the one thing, let's be honest, you know, Brewers, one thing they've kind of done a pretty decent job at has been figuring out some pitchers or or getting some pitchers back on track or, or doing a pretty solid job at developing some pitchers. So getting Brandon Woodruff back and getting him in that, quote, pitching lab and, and and being able to monitor his progress and monitor his recovery, I think, is incredibly beneficial for a team like the crew. And I also think it's incredibly beneficial for a guy like Brandon Woodruff to hook up with a team. To work with their staff. To work with their athletic training staff. And not necessarily have to try to go out at, on your own and, and find your own docs and ther- physical therapists and athletic trainers and such. Now you're 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 together with the team and you're all folk you know on the same page with with everything working together to try to get back. So I think it's beneficial for the team, but also I think it's beneficial for for Brandon Woodruff to be a part of that team and working collectively together to get back out on the field. And I feel like again without knowing the the money details, and maybe there's a simple thing like it's a 2-year deal and again I'm just I'm just going to throw something out there. Maybe it's a team option for for the second year. Maybe you know after the first year of monitoring him and and watching him rehab and all that and if they don't like where it's going or they don't see any positive stuff, maybe they opt out. I don't know. I'm just I'm throwing out possible scenarios. But you bring a guy like that back to who is widely respected in the clubhouse widely respected within the within the organization for a lot of the moves that have been let's face it some poor pr ones in terms of fans and you know the corbin burns one stunk sure it took a little bit of a hit in the clubhouse definitely took a hit amongst fans and such this is a nice one and i know we're not in the business and baseball's not in the business and they're not in the business of making feel-good moves and and uh, we're just going to do this to make people happy. That's not the business they're in, and I don't want them to be in that type of business. But I do think it sends a positive message towards the clubhouse. Gives a little fire, gives a little spark, like, all right, our guy's back. The guy we've gone to battle with, the guy that has pitched a ton for us, has been a, one of our better players over the years, we're bringing him back. We may not get him this year. He's, he's hurting that, but the team brought him back, and he's going to be around. I think that's that's a benefit for, for this, this ball club, too. So I'm excited. Again, I wouldn't expect a whole lot of updates about him this year. Just let him do his thing. Let him recover. Let him rehab. Let him work at trying to, to get back. And maybe this is more of a topic of conversation heading into the next offseason or next spring training and maybe we'll get another run with with Brandon Woodruff at that time. But I like it. Thumbs up. Not expecting anything this year, but thumbs up. Bringing him back in the organization. Christian Yelich. After position employers, reporting and that, we finally got to see uh, Christian Yelich taking a little BP. talk to uh, some of the... The members of the media yesterday in front of his front of his locker and and such. A um, couple of notes from Yelich in his media session yesterday did express some optimism about his uh, about his team's chances heading into this year. Kind of noted that you know everybody's always picked against them and they've always kind of exceeded expectations and such. So uh, also. He talked about his role with the team. He said, playing left field is ideally what I want to do. Some DHing is nice, but I definitely don't want to primarily DH. I still enjoy playing the outfield, and it's something I can do as much as possible. I'm sure I'll rotate uh, through similar to last year. Whenever there is a good spot, that makes sense. Pat Murphy also said, I consider him our left fielder. But there is going to be ample times for him, Hoskins, and William Contreras to DH as well. I don't know what the number will be, but I want him in the lineup for 162 games minus whatever he needs. I also said he's looking forward to seeing Jackson. This is Christian Yelich again. Back to Yellich. He's looking forward to seeing Jackson Cheerio uh, suit up this spring. He said he has not seen Cheerio play in person uh, but he said, quote, uh, Cheerio is obviously really talented for the organization to make a commitment like that. Talking about his uh, new deal, he's got a very bright future ahead of him. And we just have to let him play and let him be a kid and a rookie in the big leagues. Obviously, when you sign a contract like that, there are expectations and everything that comes along with that. But at the same time, you have to let him play because there will be growing pains in this league. He also went on to say, I'm one of the older guys on this team for sure, and I've been around the league for a little bit. So you try to help these guys navigate the first time or two through the league. It's difficult. You can prepare for the major leagues, but the first time you're in it is the first time you find out what it's all about. It's the best league in the world for a reason. Yelich uh, also went on to say, some of the guys that we have had here and have moved on will be uh, some of the best players that the franchise has ever See. But before they were that, they were also these young kids that were super talented that people weren't as familiar with, that grew, learned at the big league level, and developed into these household names. These guys definitely have that potential. Talking about the crews, uh younger makeup of this roster, I think is probably the proper way to to say that. So got Yelly talking a little bit. About uh, about the youngsters on on his ball club seems to be a little excited. You could go on on social media and such and see some of the video clips. I mean, the audio kind of gets a little bit hard because it's recorded on you know cell phones and such. But from some of the writers out there, but you can hear Yelich uh, kind of talk a little bit about it. But he was one too that was definitely happy about brand the the Brandon Woodruff news and and coming back to uh, to to the Brewers. So. Uh, Talking about projections, too, since we were talking a little bit about Jackson Cheerio uh, over there. And again, that's another big unknown, how he's going to turn out, what to expect from him this year and such. But if you are one that likes to kind of look at fan graphs or maybe some predictions or some projections and such and that's what MLB has been doing right now and a lot and almost every league does it as they prepare to to open up you know their season and such get a little conversation going some arguing points I, I don't want to say arguing points but little debate points and and that sort of stuff but one of the latest ones out there from mlb.com in terms of predicting and projections stolen bases stolen bases and stolen... And this is something I think, you know, starting from last year and even going into this year, Brewers fans would like to see the players be a little bit more aggressive on the base paths and maybe steal some more bases. Really utilize the speed of their their younger players and even throw in a Yelich uh, over there. Really trying to be aggressive on those base paths, stealing more than maybe we've seen in years prior. You've got the, the banning of the shift and, and taking advantage of that. Utilizing the speed with their with their young guys of Sal Freelich and Garrett Mitchell and Joey Weimer, maybe even Jackson Cherio. So Brewers fans have wanted to see that. If they've been talking about it. Well, you're not the only ones that are, that are kind of talking about that. MLB.com, then their latest predictions, predicting this year's stolen base leader. Now, they've got their top five. And I'll tell you right now, no Brewer player is in the top five, okay? However, they've got their next five of Dark Horse candidates. And the first two are Milwaukee Brewers players. Number one, Jackson Cheerio. As they note, one of the fastest players on Major League Baseball's Pipeline's list of baseball's top 100 prospects Cheerio has a good chance to make his big league debut on opening day this year after signing an eight-year, $82 million contract, and that means Cheerio, who turns 20 in March, will have ample opportunities to show off his wheels in the majors after swiping 44 bases over 128 games in the minors a year ago. So their number one dark horse candidate, Jackson Cheerio. So who's number two? Bryce Tarang. Bryce Tarang. Tarang's 218, 285, 300 line in 448 plate appearances as a rookie last year is both a worrying sign and an encouraging one when it comes to his 2024 outlook for Steels. On one hand, if that level of production continues, Tarang probably will lose playing time and not get the chance to pile up uh, steals. On the other hand, going 26 for 30 despite a sub-600 OPS suggests that even a modest improvement at the plate could have Bryce Terang in his 96th percentile sprint speed running uh, wild. The 24-year-old was a first-round draft pick and a touted prospect who owns a three hundred sixty five on on-base percentage in extensive time at Triple A. So such a step forward is not out of the question. Speed. As Mickey and Rocky 2 would tell Sylvester Stallone or tell Rocky Balboa, you know, when he's chasing a chicken, getting ready to chase a chicken, got to get speed. Speed is what we need. Greasy, fast speed, right? Brewers have speed. Are they going to use it? Are they going to take advantage? We talk about speed in the defense, and covering a lot of ground in that outfield. Covering some some ground in the infield. Are they going to use that speed now on the offensive side of things? They've brought in Reese Hoskins. They've brought in a bat. Assuming that they're still going to bring in Gary Sanchez and such. We'll see. But maybe trying to solidify that lineup with a little bit more power. Are they now going to utilize that speed and be aggressive on the base pass? you got an older manager making his you know he's been an interim manager at the major league level with the Padres for a hot minute long time co- college coach long time bench coach but a little bit more of an uh, i mean he is an older manager is he going to bring maybe a little bit more of an old school mentality and going to be aggressive on the base paths i hope so you got all that young speed out there i really hope that we see this this team and knowing how young they are and a little inexperienced, maybe the way to manufacture some more runs is to be aggressive. And and I think the the part two here is you bring in a guy like Reese Hoskins, assuming that you know he's going to be able to provide the pop and the power over there. You get one of those table setters on. You get one of those speed guys out there. Puts a little bit more pressure on that pitcher, knowing that you've got a guy with a decent bat up at that up at the plate there too. So I hope we see this Brewers team be uber aggressive and stealing some bases this year. Take advantage of that speed. Let's take a quick break, and coming up next, who cut and didn't cut the mustard, and I'm grinding my gears about everybody complaining about the NBA All-Star game. That's coming up after these quick words. We are always looking to save a little money in our pockets, but we still need our essentials like our grocery items. So how do you save money while also getting what you need for your family? hy V perks. If you shop at hy V, you're already getting a great deal on quality items throughout the store. But now you can save more money with hy V perks on different items each week. Saving some money is easy if you shop at hy V in Eau Claire. So take advantage of these awesome deals and sales and stop on over at hy V in Eau Claire today. Are you thinking of taking a spring break trip this year? Or maybe you're already eyeing up that summer vacation, but you're not quite sure if you have the proper transportation for those road trips. Hey, that's where Toys and Ford can help you. Toys and Ford has a wide selection of new and used vehicles for you to check out. And at Toys and Ford, they treat you like an honored guest. They will work with you on financing no matter what your budget may be. So if you're looking for that new vehicle this year, head to Toys and Ford, located at 1000 Chippewa Crossing Boulevard in Chippewa Falls. Who Cut and Didn't Cut the Mustard, presented by Ray's Place this morning. Reminder, you can all play along, too. Who Cut and Didn't Cut the Mustard. Hit us up with your text for your picks. Mine, I'll start off with Who Did Cut the Mustard, and I had to switch it. I had it picked yesterday, but I had to switch it because of what the Minnesota Wild did yesterday. So we had some day hockey, right, because of uh, President's Day yesterday. Going up against Vancouver. Vancouver, one of the better teams in the league, Minnesota beating them 10-7, to scoring seven goals in the third period. However, Minnesota's scored six times in a span of five minutes and 45 seconds, which was the fastest such flurry in the NHL in 25 years since Washington had six goals in four minutes, 47 seconds, in a game in February in 1999. So... Who cut the mustard? The Minnesota Wild cut that mustard yesterday. So, kudos to, to them over there. Who didn't cut the mustard? I'm going with Rick Petino. Now, Rick Petino, a couple days ago, after a loss to Seton Hall, Rick Petino kind of venting a little bit. He went on a little bit of a tirade in his post game availability. Uh, he criticized everything from his team's facilities to his players and declaring that his first season with St. John's was, quote, the most unenjoyable experience of my lifetime. Also went on to say, quote, do we have, I'll, I got to clear out some of these words, crappy facilities? Yes, we do. Having crappy facilities has nothing to do with not guarding. He called out players by name, saying, "Look, Joel uh, Soriano's slow laterally. He's not fast on the court. Chris Ludlum is slow lateral- laterally. Sean Conway's slow laterally. Brady physically weak. Drissa slow laterally." Went on to say, too, quote, "Lost this season the way we recruited." The players don't align with how he coaches. It's a good group. They try hard, but they're just not very tough. Uh, I followed it up yesterday. Didn't uh, stand by his his critiques. So, you know, maybe a little bit of time to kind of cool down and and all that. Nope. He went on uh, speaking to Newsday yesterday that he, quote, truly wasn't ripping anybody. Saying, I was pointing out exactly, in a monotone voice, why we lost. I'm not always calm, and certainly not when I rip someone. I was not ripping anybody. I sometimes want my players to hear my words and read my words. That was my intention. I was asked the question, why do you blow second-half leads? And I can tell you sometimes it's missed free throws at the end of the game, and opponents make free throws. Sometimes it's a turnover. Sometimes it's a bad shot selection. That also leads to runouts. It's not the same reason every time, but it's the same reason every time uh, of of why you fall. You fall because you take a bad shot, you get caught in a bad situation defensively, and you're not overly quick laterally. So, when you go to defend the basket, rather than beat them to the spot, you fall. That's what I was trying to point out. I'm fine with what I said. You shouldn't be, Rick. You shouldn't be. It's not saying I agree with it. Not saying um, you know I'm I'm in favor of it. But times have changed in college sports. Little thing called transfer portal and NILs and all that sort of stuff. But you kind of have to manage players a little bit differently. Kind of have to manage personalities a little bit differently. So again, I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm not saying I'm against tough love and and all that. But given how today's today's college world is. And kind of going out there and with some of the comments that, that you said, Connell, with those players, players are going to remember that. Potentially future players are, are going to remember that too. Again, not saying whether I agree with that mindset or not, but I think it's kind of evident in a lot of cases right now, maybe the old school mentality doesn't always work. And just kind of going out there and. <laughs> criticizing facilities and and players. I mean, you were the one who recruited these players. Dude, you were the one. You were the one that took this job. If you didn't like the facilities, you were the one who took this job. You were the one who recruited a lot of these players. Lost this season the way we recruited is is the phrase you said. You got nobody else to blame but yourself, coach. Nobody else to blame. It is time for a little Grind My Gears. It is a Grind My Gears day. So yesterday, from from a national perspective, a lot of people complaining about the NBA All-Star Game, how it was played. A lot of offense. All offense, no defense. Right? Over 200 points. By the Eastern Conference. Damien, 39 points, 33 of those coming from three, and sometimes 40, 45, 50 footers, it seemed like at times. But a lot of people complaining about this game, the all-star game, how it's not competitive, and and all that good stuff. To to that I say, what do you expect? Like what do you expect? The, 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 the complaining that is coming out there, it to, to me, is just kind of a little mind-boggling because what do you expect? We're not—I'll start off by saying this. That game was garbage. It doesn't entertain me. I didn't find it entertaining. I didn't like the game at all. I had to tune it out after a while. We watched the first quarter with Hutsey. He loved it. After that, I couldn't watch him. It it's not my style of basketball. I don't like it. But here's the thing. I'm also 37, going to be 38, coming up here soon. That that game ain't for me. That game's for the younger fans. It's for kids like my kid and, you know, other – they love it. They love the offense. And you know what? It's the kids that kind of move the needle, move the money because, you know, it's like all of a sudden, hey, Trey – Uh, Tyrese Halliburton over there. Who's that guy? Oh, he scored a lot. I want his jersey now. I want his cards. Mom, Dad, I want... That's on my Christmas list. What does Mom and Dad do? Oh, you got a new fan, Tyrese Halliburton. You move merchandise that way with the kiddos. And let's face it, this is the style of the NBA now. You you know, I saw a lot of clips, social media clips out there like, oh, the good old days of the NBA All-Star Game was the 90s. It had like Jordan, Shaq, Hill, Penny, Olajuwon, you know, they were playing defense. It was a real game. That was a the style then, and I loved that style. That's my favorite era. The 90s NBA. Loved it. Wish, I wish it would get back to that. It ain't. It's not. It is now 30, 35 foot jumpers. Your centers are shooting three pointers from deep. You have to now if you're 7 foot 2, 7 foot 1 center. Not going to. Not many centers can make a living anymore by just sitting down in the post and on the block. you got to have an outside game. And here's the thing. The NBA has embraced that. They've embraced the Steph Currys. They've embraced the Damian Lillards. They've embraced the 35-foot jump shots from way beyond the arc. They've embraced that. You can't go back from that now. It's offense. I mean, I wish these all-star games, Pro Bowl, NBA all-star game, I wish it would go back to what it was, but it's not. And if you're not going to accept that, if you're not going to realize that, then you're going to complain every single year. I'm sure Adam Silver would love it to be a little bit more competitive. But here's the other thing, too. It's a phrase that a lot of fans don't like, but it's a reality with these teams. Load management. The NBA's trying to. To get away from load management, they've implemented this 65 game thing here if you want to do or if you want to win awards in that. But another way to maybe not put a lot of effort in and kind of save some of your body, they ain't going to put a whole lot of effort into all star games, these players. And I guarantee you, their franchises, their teams don't want their players to play hard in a meaningless game. And that's the only thing, like these all star games, they're meaningless. Who cares uh, with the effort level? It doesn't. It's not for me, but I don't really care about it. But the guys aren't these players aren't going to play hard. You got a little thing out there that's load management now. Teams don't want them playing hard. These players aren't going to play hard. For a game that doesn't matter to them anymore. And back then, all-star games, like when I was a kid in the 90s, I loved them. I loved the Pro Bowl. I loved the NBA All-Star game. I loved it all. Why? Because A lot of times, that was my only time that I could see some of these other players play. It was the only time that I could see, unless it was a postseason game. But it was the first time or maybe one of the few times that I could see some of these other players in action. 2024. We're in a world of streaming. We're in a world of social media, the internet now. Now you can see your favorite players or you can see some certain players all the time if you wanted to. And back then, you didn't have super teams. You didn't have all-stars or superstars pairing up on teams. This was kind of the first time when, when it would be an all-star game. It's like, all right, we got Shaq and Jordan and Penny on the same team. It, it wasn't a thing. Now it's like hey, some of these teams are already all-star teams because they've got their you know, two superstars, three all-stars, whatever it may be. It's a thing now. But we're, we see these players all the time, whereas back in you know 90s or the 80s and such, you didn't see them often, and really, you didn't see superstars on the same team like you do in today's game. So it kind of loses a little bit of shine with, with that way. So everybody, you know, adults, kind of upset. About and and just going bananas about the All Star Game and and saying it's garbage and they they they, they got to change it up and they got to change something on there. My question would be: What did you expect? This is the style of 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 the NBA. I don't like it, but it is what it is right now, and I'm not going to get all hung up and. Annoyed and and frustrated because of the style. It is what it is right now. The NBA, I mean, they that's you know, when you look at golf, and Tiger came on the scene and just started dominating and changed the game. You had golf courses trying to tiger proof courses or or you know make them longer and all that. And then, you know, baseball, they've altered some rules here. Football, they've altered some rules to, you know, Try to even it out. Basketball really hasn't done anything. It wasn't that long ago. There was a conversation out there hey, should they have a four point shot? Well, crying out loud, maybe some of these three pointers now should be two pointers and they should extend the three point line. It wasn't that long ago? There's like, hey, should there be certain pot spots in the court where it's four points, five points? The range for some of these guys now, that's nothing. And they've let it go so far. You you can't go backwards. You can't. The game now is transition. It's high scoring. It's shooting early in the, in the shot clock. It's having an outside game. Once in a while, you still see a little in and out, inside out. But those 80s and 90s days are gone right now. The NBA's embraced it. Can't go back from it. Everybody wants to shoot the rock from from the logo now. It is what it is at this point. I'm not going to get too bent out of shape about it. And I think a lot of people, adults, who get a little bent out of shape from, from it, again, I'll ask, what did you expect? I can't remember who it was, but somebody a few years ago told me, because I was one of those that I was just like, oh, Pro Bowl's garbage. Like, what are we still doing? They, they got to do something different. I was one of those. And then somebody just casually said, you know, Pro Bowl is mostly for the kids, for, for younger fans. And I'm like, and, and it maybe didn't dawn on me until my kid got a little bit older and kind of realized it and, and started to pay attention a little bit more to sports. And, you know, you love the Pro Bowl. Thought it was the coolest thing. Loved the All-Star game the first quarter that he got to watch loved all the shooting loved the long distance three-point shooting I didn't but you know what the kids did the younger generation did the younger fans do and that's really what it's kind of all about all right enough with the complaining that is it for this episode of the man cave podcast again brought to you by our good friends from Hy-Vee and Toys and Ford and as a reminder I know I always end it uh, this way but uh uh, if you could take a few seconds just to give us a five-star rating on like Spotify and Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts, and if you have the ability like on Apple to give us a positive review so others can find the podcast, that would be fantastic. We would really appreciate that. And a big thanks to all of you. I've been seeing an increase in listens and downloads and reviews and such. So big thank you for that. Keep spreading the word of the Man Cave Podcast. All right, until next time, I'm Dan Casper, and I will talk to you on the next episode of The Man Cave Podcast.